You're listening to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Now, here's Justin Fielder, Derek Stafford, and Tyler Schaefer. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Justin here along with the cousins Derek and Tyler. So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be previewing the Big Ten and predicting the standings of each division. Uh, This week, we're going to be going over the Big Ten East. So first, we will give a quick preview of each team, and then we'll offer our predictions at the end. You guys ready for this? Absolutely. Bad boy. All right. So uh, I'm going to start off here with Indiana. Uh, Indiana last year, they went 5-7 and seven overall and 2-7 and seven in conference play. This is Tom Allen's third year. Uh, they draw crossover games at Nebraska, Northwestern, at Purdue. They returned seven on offense to include running back Stevie Scott. He had a great year last year, 1,137 yards, five yards of carry. Both of the top wide receivers returned from that unit. Now, they have an interesting quarterback situation going on here, and hopefully you guys know maybe a little bit more about this, but they have Patrick Ramsey returning. He threw for 2,875 yards last year, but he had a 19 TD to a 13 interception ratio. Uh, they also have a redshirt freshman, Michael Penix, who tore his ACL last year, right when he was kind of getting hot. Uh, he's expected to start, but they also bring in a four-star Utah transfer named Jack Tuttle. So that, that sounds like they got some options there at quarterback. Uh, they also returned two offensive linemen, which will be good for them. Now on defense, they returned seven on defense as well to include the cor- two cornerbacks, Safety, two defensive linemen, and two linebackers. Uh, Last year, that defense, they finished in the middle of the bottom of the half in all the major defensive categories. But Tom Allen, he's a pretty good defensive coach by all accounts. So that defense should be better. Uh, Five and seven last year, I think they're going to be a better team. All right, Derek, tell us about Maryland. All right. Well, I'll get into Maryland, but man, that Peyton Ramsey uh, conversation could be interesting. That amazes me that he's in that big of a competition, but uh, maybe we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, Maryland. Oh, man, the Terrapins, they haven't really done a lot since they've come to join the Big Ten. They went 5-7 and seven last year, 3-6 and six in the Big Ten. Uh, you know, they had that big controversy last year, and the kid pa- passed away during practice, and they fired their coach, and Matt Canada came in and really did a decent job, I thought, of taking over the situation. But they decided, they elected not to keep him, and brought in Mike Loxley, who, he, he was an interim head coach there at Maryland for half a year and went 1-5. and five. His overall record's 3-31. He, he was the offensive coordinator at Alabama. That's where everybody's going to know him from. Uh, I, I don't understand how you get a power five job with a record of three and thirty one. Uh, what, whatever Maryland seems to. I mean, this, this is like a kick in the balls. This is worse than Mike Riley getting hired in Nebraska. I think, but it is. At, it is. At the end of the day, I mean, he he's uh, hired another guy. That Nebraska fans are going to be familiar with uh, John Papuchis is his special teams coordinator slash inside linebackers coach. So I, I'll root for John Papuchas. I always kind of liked him. But uh, I, right now, Maryland's offense has been really atrocious. They're returning five guys on offense, five guys on defense. Uh, their offense only averaged 141 yards passing last year. 
Uh, they are bringing in a, a grad transfer in Josh Jackson from Virginia Tech, who really should up that and help 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 that passing game out tremendously. They do return a running back in Anthony McFarland, who had a thousand thirty four yards last year. Unfortunately, he had four. He only had four touchdowns. Uh, he did average seven point nine yards a carry, which was pretty good. But at the end of the day, th- this offense was just atrocious. Uh, their defense wasn't a whole lot better. Uh, I, I don't know, guys. There was uh, three games that they scored three points or less last year. They got shut out in one of them and scored three points in two other games. Uh, th- this offense—it's a good thing they hired this offensive coordinator because it needs to go some direction other than what it was going, I guess. So, okay, uh, Tyler, tell us about Michigan. Well, you know, Michigan is getting a lot of preseason love from the media, um, and a lot of it's rightful so. Jim Harbaugh enters his fifth year at Michigan, and it has that record of 38-14. and 14. Uh, Last year, they were 10-3, and 8-1 and one in the Big Ten. You know, they were looking like they could have been a playoff team. Uh, you know, they had that upset or the loss early in the year against Notre Dame, and they rebounded really well until the blowout loss at the end of the year against Ohio State, which really... Almost set the program back a little bit. Um, they return eight starters on offense and five on defense. They do bring in a new offensive coordinator, uh, Josh Gaddis. Uh, he was a co-offensive coordinator at Alabama. So for our listeners, you should suspect uh, Michigan's going to open it up a little bit more, a little bit more of a spread offense, a little bit more fast pace. We'll see if they have the personnel to do it. But uh, strength of this offense is going to be quarterback. Shea Patterson is one of the best in the conference, and they have great depth behind him if he gets injured. Uh, last year, Shea was extremely efficient, completing 64.6% of his passes and having a better than a 3-1 to TD-to-interception ratio. Nico Collins was the leading receiver last year, and he's returning. He had 632 yards receiving. Uh, the kid is explosive. Uh, he had the biggest reception since 2012 with a 52-yard touchdown against Notre Dame. Running back will be really interesting for them, though. They lost Karen Higdon to the NFL draft. And can anyone tell me where he was drafted? Spoiler alert, he was not drafted. (laughs) So, great decision by that young man. Hopefully it works out. Um, And their next guy, who's going to be the starting running back, Chris Evans, is suspended for the season. We know Jim Harbaugh likes to pound the rock. I don't know if they have the personnel to do that this year. Um, again, it'll be interesting to see the change on the defensive side of the board. Uh, Michigan has been, uh, excellent in recent years. They've been top 10 since 2013 and top three, of the last three seasons. Don Brown doesn't reload. He, he, I'm sorry. He doesn't rebuild. He reloads. I mean, the guy is one of the best in the business. Um, even with all the lost talent, they, they'll be back. I, I think, you know, when you look at this team, you know, the defense is going to be solid. The question mark is going to be the offense. A new offensive coordinator, no running backs to really name of. Does Shea Patterson have enough in him to make this offense work under the new system? I, I think that's the, the tell of the tape for Michigan this season. Okay. Michigan State, sounds like they have kind of the same issues that Michigan has. All defense, very little offense. But last year, Michigan State was 7-6 and six overall, 5-4 and four in Big Ten play. They returned nine on offense to include quarterback Brian Lewerke. Wasn't that impressive last year? All five offensive linemen returned, which is good. Basically, everybody returns on offense except for a wide receiver and a tight end. 
However, they do return their leading wide receiver from last year, Cody White. He had a pretty good year. So last year, the offense sucked. Uh, and they ranked. <laughs> they, 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 they sucked. That's, that's, I guess that's an understatement. But they finished towards the bottom of all the major categories in the Big Ten. But, you know, they dealt with a lot of injuries last year. Uh, this year, I think they're going to be pretty good. They do have a new offensive coordinator. Uh, on defense, they return eight on defense to include the Big Ten Defensive Line Player of the Year, that Raquan Williams, linebacker Joey Backey, another defensive lineman Kenny Wilkes. Uh, he was actually on, scrolling on the scroll bar of Big Ten Network tonight. Uh, so last year, the Big Ten or the defense ranked first nationally in rushing D, eighth nationally in scoring D, and tenth nationally in total D. That defense is going to be stocked again. I mean, they're going to be loaded. Uh, Good defense being going to be played in the state of Michigan this year. Yeah. Derek, tell us about Ohio State. All right. So what to say about Ohio State? There's so much to say about Ohio State. They were 13-1 last year, 8-1 in the Big Ten. Uh, Won the Big Ten championship last year. They were champions, did not quite make the playoff. This year they're without Urban Meyer. We all know that. They're also without Dwayne Haskins. We all know that. In fact, they are only returning four guys on offense. Four starters on offense, guys. This is uh, pretty big. They are returning nine guys on defense. However, they're only returning one coach from their defensive staff. They have two defensive co- uh, def- co-defensive coordinators. One of them has never been a defensive coordinator ever before. Uh, the other one was uh, at Michigan last year, and Greg Madison, and he, he's, I mean, he's coached 40 years. The guy's got a lot of experience, so I assume he's the one calling the plays. Uh, I think there's a lot of moving parts here that it could be, it could struggle for Ryan Day. Ryan Day is coming in with a 3-0 and head coaching record, and those three games were the preseason, or the first three games in Ohio State when Urban Meyer was suspended last year. Now, everybody wants to talk about how he just kind of did not, just annihilated everybody because they played Oregon State, TCU, and Rutgers. They had a combined record of 10 and 27 last year. Like, these were three bad teams. And yes, he did dominate these guys, but. Again, four returning starters on offense. I think that is very tough for any coach to overcome. They got a tight end coming back. They do have J.K. Dobbins, the running back, and that's huge because he had uh, over just over 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns last year rushing. Uh, they got J., uh, K.J. Hill, who's coming back. He had 800, over 800 yards receiving and six touchdowns. Those are going to be two key components but the thing that scares me the most for Ohio State is that they are replacing four out of five offensive linemen, and that is going to be key. And for everybody that's putting Justin Fields in there for the Heisman hopeful, it's going to depend a lot on this offensive line, and it's a lot of young guys. Uh, just just a little bold prediction for you guys. I am going to put out there that I think Northwestern's five-star Hunter Johnson will be more important and play better than Justin Fields will this year. That is my bold prediction for the year. I'll buy that. I won't. I think you guys are drunk already. <laughs> Hunter Johnson's been there for over a year, and Justin Fields has been there for, what, five months? He's had a chance to learn the whole offense. 
He was a five star. You don't 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 discredit him. I mean, he was one of the top guys coming out of the twenty eighteen class or twenty seventeen class. I'm sorry. Well, Derek, Derek you're one hundred percent right. The difference is, is Justin Fields is not just a five star. He's playing around other five star players. It's not just about the quarterback. We're going to argue who's a better quarterback. We can have that debate. Who's going to be a better, more productive quarterback? Oh, it's Justin Fields all day. I, I say this year, maybe not over the career at their at their said schools. I say this year he is more productive than Justin Fields. All right. Well, this will be a fun conversation to come back to. I know you guys will talk shit the rest of the season. You'll be following the stat lines of those two guys along the way. Uh, Tyler, Penn State. So Penn State, James Franklin returns his sixth year at Penn State with a record of 45 and 21 overall. Last year, they were nine and four, uh, six and three in the Big Ten. They, they had a, one of the most heartbreaking losses of the season last year, though, against Ohio State. You know, ESPN just replayed that game as the number two game in uh, last year in college football. Um, it, it was heartbreaking for them. They returned six starters on offense and six on defense. Uh, they lost one of the best quarterbacks, I believe, in the conference, Trace McSorley. I, I know this guy kind of – there's a lot of people hot and cold. Man, and I, I would take a guy like that on my team any day. I, I was a big Trace McSorley fan. And they also had a really unsuspected transfer in Tommy Stevens, who is going to be the starter. Uh, they are, that leaves Sean Clifford as the starter. He was the number eight pro-style quarterback in 2017. You know, for people that haven't really watched a lot of Penn State football over recent years, Trey McSorley was definitely a dual threat quarterback. He ran a lot. Um, it will be interesting to see them transition to a pocket passer this year. Um, you know, his teammates at Media Day this year praise his ability to get first downs on his feet. But that kind of sounds what people like people said of Tanner Lee when he was at Nebraska, like. Oh, he is faster than you think, guys. Trust me, he's not so slow. Um, so I, I'm not overly confident there. Um, running back will be led by 5'9 running back Ricky Slade. He did uh, get some time last year having 262 yards. The kid is talented. He was the number one all-purpose back in and the number 27 overall prospect uh, two years ago. But being a smaller back, you should expect Penn State to rotate running backs more than they've done over the last few years. You had Shaquan Barkley, who definitely was a one-tier back before um, last year with uh, uh, Sanders, who was kind of took all the carries. This year, I think they're going to rotate a lot more. Um, one of the kids you'll see is uh, Journey Brown, which is one of the cooler names in the Big Ten. Uh, this kid is fast. He has the state record in Pennsylvania for the 100-yard dash. Uh, you also probably see incoming freshman No Kane at running back. Uh, tight end will also be a strength. Uh, Pat Brett uh, Fremuth, I think is how you pronounce his name, led the team in touchdown receptions last year. And one of the biggest names coming out of spring practice was Nick Burrows. Uh, a lot of people think they're going to be doing a lot more two tight end fronts. Um, I, you know, I already mentioned they have six returning starters on defense. This defense was ranked 11th last year in the country. This defense is going to be fine. They're going to have more NFL players on it. Phil Steele, the guy who we really all love here, has Penn State dubbed Linebacker University. That is based off the fact they've had nine linebackers drafted in the last 12 years. Arguably, their two best defenders this year will be Cam Brown and the one that got away for Husker fans, Micah Parsons. Uh, both yeah. of them are going to be 
back um, and probably leading this team. The challenge with Penn State this year is going to be schedule. They have a what I believe is a murderous row coming in October with at Iowa, home against Michigan, on the road against Michigan State. Uh, uh, you know that that's a that's a three game series that they are going to have a challenge to win any one of those games. Uh, it, it it's going to come down to that three game stretch here for the knee Lions. Okay, good. That was really good. Hey, I just want to throw out there. I think I saw Adam McClintock, friend of the friend of the show. There, he has like uh, Penn State penciled in like a ten and two or eleven and one or something in his uh, predictions. I we'll get into our predictions soon, but he's high on Penn State. And, and Tyler, you did a good job making him sound like they will be pretty decent. But well, I get, can I just say one thing? Yeah. The, 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 you 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 compared him to Tanner Lee. Let me just say the closest Tanner Lee's ever come to the eighth best player, eighth best quarterback is maybe at Jacksonville. I mean, he's never been the eighth best anywhere else. <laughs> well, and, and, and I was trying to tell you all the good about them. I I will get in this a little bit later, but I, I'm not confident that this offense is going to mesh. I I don't believe they have the weapons as well as they've recruited. Um, yeah, I think this kid is talented. They got. I don't know how they're transitioning to a pro style offense. So. More, more to come on that. Just one little, little small tidbit I heard about Micah Parsons. He was the first Penn State player ever as a true freshman to lead in tackles. I thought that was pretty interesting. And really? he didn't even it. And so I didn't know this until digging. So for the listeners at home, we all kind of broke off a team and kind of did our individual main research to give you guys all these great breakdowns. I thought Micah Parsons started most of the year the way that I saw when I watched him. He only started one game last year and still really? led the team in tackles. So, I mean, the guy obviously played, you know, the the definition of a starter is kind of fluent and sometimes in college football. But the fact that he wasn't a starter most of the year and still did what he did, phenomenal. The kid, the, again, uh, the one that got away, the one that got away. Ask, ask AJ Epinesa about being a starter. Yeah, good point. All right, so I get to talk about Ruggers. Yay. <laughs> okay, so 1-11 last year, 0-9 in conference play. Uh, I'm going to be quick, guys. There's not a lot to pump up here, but they return eight on offense, including quarterback Arthur Sitkowski, who threw for four touchdowns and 18 interceptions last year. Apparently, oh, hold on, say, say so that one more time, would you? It's looking pretty good. Four touchdowns and 18 interceptions. Wow. And we're complaining about Just barely over Ramsey a thousand yards having 19 yards. touchdowns and 13 interceptions. Like, I'll take that over the four and 18. Like, yeah. No the, shit. The only other positive, and I don't even know if you can want to call this positive, but it's an interesting stat line. Running back Rakeem Blackshear, he led the team in rushing and in receiving. I guess that happens when you have a quarterback that throws more to the defense than the offense, but uh, they return five on defense. Look, uh, Chris Ash was in his fourth year. He's seven and 29 overall three and 24 in big 10 play after the season. He's going to still be owed $7.5 million and he signed through 2022. I don't know how long they're going to keep him. I mean, is Ruggers going to stay a shit pile for one year, two years? Three years? Derek, what do you think? Spoiler alert. I have them double on their win total from last year. Wow. Wow. Jeez. 
Go big or well, go and, home. And I will say, and, and, and to that point, Derek, I, that's the number. I think if he can get to four wins, four, four. wins. That's, that's they, quadrupling his quadruple, number. Quadruple. If, if, if they can quadruple their win total, I think it keeps his job. Yeah, I get four wins to get another year. Yeah. So good luck on that. Yeah. Terrible. All right. So we've uh, briefly gone over all the previews for all these teams. So let's get into our rankings. Tyler, we're going to start with you. Okay. Let me flip the handy dandy notebook to get here. So um, let's start from worst to uh, best. I'm, I got Rutgers finishing seventh in the division. At t- two and ten, I have uh, above that Indiana five and seven. Above that, I had Penn State six and six, and Maryland six and six. I have Maryland beating Penn State, owning the tiebreaker. I think both those teams I could see getting the seven wins, uh, but I, I, I ended up sticking at six and six. Then I have Michigan State nine and three, and then the big debate is it going to be Michigan or Ohio State? Top two. I got Ohio State edging out uh Michigan. I got Michigan going ten and two and Ohio State eleven and one. You're on mute, Justin. Oh, I'm sorry. Hey, uh recap your standings, please. One through so, seven. So one through seven, one I have Ohio State, two I have Michigan, three Michigan State. Four, Maryland, five, Penn State, six, Indiana, seven, Rutgers. Okay. Derek. All right, I guess I'll do the same thing Tyler did. Uh, Tyler, I agree with you on one thing. Uh, I have Rutgers going 2-10. <laughs> I have them going 0-9 in the conference. I have these guys being the bottom dwellers again. Uh, all the rest of it I pretty much disagree with you on. Uh, after that, I have Maryland, like, I have Mike Loxley doubling his win total as a coach. I have them going three and nine, one and eight in the Big Ten. I have them beating Rutgers. That's about it in the Big Ten. They have a few uh, easy games in the non-conference. They have Syracuse, so I don't see them beating Syracuse. Uh, then uh, next, I have Indiana, who I have at six and six. Uh, I think Penn State's okay this year. I think their defense wins them a lot of games. Their offense is going to struggle. I understand that. But I think their defense is going to win them some games. I have them going 8-4 and four this year at number four. And then number three, I have Ohio State. I think there's too many moving pieces there. They got a lot of talent. I understand they have a lot of talent. I just don't think with all those moving pieces, new coaches – Replacing the whole offense, I, I I think that's tough to do. I think I have them going nine and three and six wow. and three in the Big Ten, and I so I think that's still a decent year. I just think it's a disappointing year for Ohio State. Uh, I have Michigan State going number two, and I have them going ten and two, seven and two in the Big Ten, and I have Michigan. Who guys? I, I think this is Jim Harbaugh's year. I really do. I have them going eleven and one and. Have them eight and one in the conference. I do have their one loss to Ohio State because I don't know if we can get over that hump. However, I still have them winning the conference. Derek, let me ask: Who do you have Ohio State losing to this year? Uh, I have them losing to Michigan State, and I have them at Northwestern losing. I think I think that's a tough game for them. Uh, okay. And then, I, and then I also have them losing to Penn State. Okay. So you have them losing 
two home games. Yes. Uh, I think this is a tough year for these guys. I really, I really do. Okay, and I'll, I'll ask you to do the same thing as Tyler. Uh, recap going one through seven. Uh, I got Michigan number one, Michigan State number two, Ohio State number three, Penn State number four, Indiana number five, Maryland six, and Rutgers seven. Okay, so it's my turn. Uh, coming in at number seven, it's Ruggers with a three and nine record. That but I have them 0 and 9 in the Big Ten. Uh, there's a game in there that I know everybody counted as losses as a loss to Boston College. I think them coming off of a bye, I'm going to give them the win. And here, full disclosure, I made that determination, I think it was yesterday morning when I was driving to work. Uh, Chris Falica, he was on uh, College Sports Radio. They're talking about like uh, best lines to bet. And he said, take the under on Boston College's total wins. And he saw like that they're going to suck this year. So I was like, okay, I'll give that one to Ruggers. That's why I have three. Anyway, that was an exciting story. Let me tell some more. Uh, Maryland, I have five and seven coming at number six. Five and seven, two and seven in the Big Ten. Uh, I have Maryland at number five with a four and eight record, but two and seven. They get the uh, head to head uh, over Indiana and conference play. You guys are, Derek's looking at me funny. I think you just named Maryland twice. Yeah, Did I? Maryland sixth or fifth. I have Indiana sixth, Maryland. Right, okay, fifth. I think you said Maryland has sixth. Yeah. I'll have to double check oh, the I? records, but I think you said it's it. okay. Okay, I've, Just I've had a little bit too many Indiana, bourbons. Indiana sixth, Maryland fifth. Okay, yeah. Okay, that's why I recap at the end. Okay, and then uh, Penn State eight and four, uh, five and four in Big Ten play. Coming at number three, I have Michigan State nine and three with uh, six and three in Big Ten play. Number two is Ohio State with a ten and two record, seven and two in Big Ten, and I have Michigan running the table, guys, twelve and zero. Uh, wow! I I don't know why, but I just I I, I have them running the table. So to recap for me, uh, number one Michigan, Michigan, two Ohio State, three Michigan State, four Penn State, five Maryland, six Indiana. And seven ruggers. So, well, that's a- can, can I can I make a comment here on Michigan? Like, here here's my thing about Michigan. Like, everyone's so oh, Ohio State has all these top notch players. Look, Michigan has recruited well over the last four or five years as well. Like, exactly. I mean, they had the number eight class in the nineteen in the in 2019. Uh, 2018, they kind of had a small class, so they ended up being number twenty two, but. It was a very small class, and their average per player was pretty high. Uh, 17, they were 5th, and 16, they were 8th. Like, they got three top 10 classes out of four. So don't think these guys don't have talent to win. And with all the moving parts at Ohio State, I I just – I can't stress enough how much losing all your defensive coaches in a year can can really scramble things for players. Okay, so, so Derek, you're right on michigan they've recruited really well and before we get too much in this so has maryland and maryland's recruited almost as well as michigan but you ate on them but let's let's skip that element for a minute you talk about the 2016 recruiting class 
It was great. They brought in the number one player in the country, Rashawn Gary. You know where Rashawn Gary is now? He's in the NFL. These guys have bounced. Like the the 2016 class, Brandon Peters. Like I mean, that's not relevant. The the reason I'm a little bit lower on Michigan than I think you guys are is I think they've got a really deceptively tough schedule. And and I just want to hit that for a second. They, they they start the year with two gimme games, then they have a bye week, and then they start uh, on the road against Wisconsin. Okay, that that's going to be a tough game. We all know it. Wisconsin's also coming off of a bye. Could be a tough game. They have Rutgers, which is a bye game. Iowa, which they should handle. And then they kind of start a four-game stretch, which I think is deceptively tough. Il- at Illinois. Is Illinois the world? <laughs> You picked the wrong moment to say that deceptively tough. (laughs) Again, I I am higher on Illinois. A lot of people are. I think Illinois is going to be improved. Okay. Then they go at Penn State. At Penn State. Notre Dame at home. Notre Dame's coming off of a bye week. And at Maryland. I'm not saying who they're losing to in that series. But I do not believe they're going to get through that four-game series without a loss. Then they wrap up with Michigan State at Indiana, Ohio State. We talked about them not being able to get over Ohio State. Spoiler alert, they haven't been that good against Michigan State either. I, I just I don't see how, Justin, you have them going undefeated. I think there's at least two losses in there. Well, okay. it's not going to be first Illinois. Off, if they lose to Notre Dame, it ain't hurting them in the conference anyway. So, uh, look, you're right, Tyler. I mean, they have, they, I mean, I can't believe you could sit here and say – Illinois was the deceptively tough game. Especially when you said Northern Illinois will be a tougher game than Illinois two weeks ago. <laughs> I, I, I have had more time to research this. I think uh, Illinois is going to Well, be you obviously did not research Wisconsin because Wisconsin is another team that's rebuilding. Like, they've lost all their star players. And we're, and we're going to talk about the Big we'll talk Ten about West them next week. Wisconsin next week. But the, I don't know that you can automatically throw them in your – I mean, I understand. They're always good, but they lose a lot of players this year. We'll get into that next I, week. Yeah, but Jonathan Taylor's back. And, again, not getting too much into that, but I I, I, I think they're kind of in the situation of uh, they, but, they rebuild. Right. They're, they're another team that's replacing four out of five linemen. And Jonathan Taylor also has a tendency to fumble, which Michigan is very good at creating. So I, Tyler and I, we're probably closest on what we think, uh, how the rankings will. Derek, you really, you really took a shot in the dark with uh, Ohio State nine and three. That's that really shocks me there. I. I'm telling you, that's so much to replace. I, four four starters on offense. I that's a big deal to me. I understand. I understand you you've recruited well, but re, re, replacing seven starters on offense and four out of five offensive linemen that is just absurd for a new coach. I think if Urban Meyer is still there, maybe I have him doing a little better, but. Even at that point, I I think Michigan is a better team this year. Yeah, yeah I, I'd I mean, love to see it. I, I I will say, you know, we we again, we all love Phil Steele. 
Uh, he has got Ohio State favored in every game against except Michigan. Take that for we will. But I think Ohio State's schedule is very favorable this year. Um, I mean, the, their their toughest road game besides Michigan is at Nebraska. And, I, I mean, look, I think, that's not a gimme game. That's not. I, a I am not. Game. Pay, I, I I will spoil alert. I do not have uh, Ohio State losing to Nebraska, but I don't think that's a gimme game. And I could I could very easily see that game go either way. Oh, it, it's. I just read something about the most popular upsets next year, and that that is one of them. But guys, I mean, when you get Michigan State at home, they get Wisconsin at home. I, I, I'm shocked that you guys are so low on Wisconsin, but okay. Um, I mean, they, they they get Penn State at home. I mean, they 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 have no non conference opponent. That's scary. Um, I just I think there's a lot of uh, and, and you're banking on Michigan beating them at the end of the year when it counts. I mean, it's I, I, I'm not. I have Michigan losing to Ohio State. Who? So you had them losing again. I, I just think the horseshoe is a really tough place to win. Really it, tough place. Michigan right. saw it last right. year. Michigan saw it last year. But Nebraska, so a, Nebraska almost went there and upset them, and they weren't even a good team last year. Yeah, we were playing pretty well then. So Adam McClintock has Ohio State favored in every game except for Michigan, with uh, his June release. So, which is the same as Phil Still, then? Yeah, yep. I mean, he has just like just slightly under two point underdogs. I, I don't know. It, it, it's going to be fun. It, it will be fun to see some of these teams. Who 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 would be the biggest shock to you guys, uh, regardless of their record? I mean, what would shock you coming out of a team coming out of the East? Tyler, do you have like any thought? Well, you know, I, I think if I if I was going to say my biggest surprise, I, I don't know it I could go a positive surprise or negative surprise. Um you know, for for the point of this, and since I kind of broke it down, I think the I have Penn State deceptively low. I think Penn State has some talent. I obviously I I'll tell you though, I I don't know what that offense is going to look like. I don't think they have the receivers. I didn't really get too into depth in that. I don't know how you just replace a Trace McSorley. I mean, you saw them last year non-competitive against Michigan, um, and, and and this year, I mean, I, I just don't know what you're going to expect to see from them. I mean, I I think Penn State is going to be a very big surprise in the negative fashion where. Man, I, I think they're going to be a 6-7 win team. I slightly lean towards the 6 mark. I think that Maryland game's kind of a coin flip game right now. Um, and, and it's Friday night at Maryland. I, home teams are I, I, it's like 80% victories on a Friday night. So, I mean, oh, it's going to... I, I got to interrupt you. Are you friggin' kidding me here? Who is a better quarterback, Dwayne Haskins or Trace McSorley? I think Dwayne Haskins was extremely okay, famous. and you're giving no credit to having to replace that guy. No, I said no credit. You're like, oh, yeah, Justin Fields is there. He'll replace. He'll replace him. I think, no big I, deal. Ohio I, State wins them all. Like Dwayne really? Haskins, listen, <laughs> I think Dwayne Haskins was one of the most overrated players in college football last year. You wait till this year. Justin Fields is going to be the most overrated player. 
So he doesn't, he hasn't even won the starting job yet. Ryan Day came out and said he's not even our starter yet. Like, really? Did you uh, watch any? Did you watch? Yeah, but did you watch any of that Ohio State spring game? I caught a little bit of it. I seen the stats, dude. He did not look impressive in that spring game. I understand you keep a little Manila. You don't want to show anything. I understand that his throwing motion doesn't look good. He doesn't look. He didn't look like he was in shape. I, I'm not convinced he's. A, I'm not convinced he's a five star quarterback. I'm really not. He led that offense like Justin Fielder would. <laughs> <laughs> and that's good. Hey, I, I just want to throw this out. There. I just want, I, I mentioned this earlier when I was talking about Ruggers, but I have three and 10 or three and nine. I'm sorry. Three and nine. Oh, I thought maybe you had him going Huge. to a bowl game with three wins. I didn't know. I, 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 well, what I will say is, well, I have them two and ten. I do think they will be out. They're not winning a conference game. They will be more competitive in conference play this year than they were last year. I don't see them winning. I but I could see them having a couple games this year coming down to the wire, um, or at least competitive losses. I mean, last year, I mean, there wasn't their closest conference game. Uh, I think it was seven to twenty against Penn State. Which is another reason why I think Penn State is a little overrated. How they when, lost ten to fourteen at Michigan State. Oh, yep, you're right. They, I, I, hey, t- they finished tell you this. Western they finished fifteen strong. to eighteen. Me they personally, me personally, I see three games in the Big Ten that they could possibly win, and I and I, I don't have them winning any 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 of them because two of them are on the road. I could see them giving uh, Illinois a run for their money, but it's at Illinois. I think that's a tough game for them. I could maybe see them giving a run against Indiana, but it's at Indiana and it's homecoming. Uh, then they got Maryland, and I, I really don't see Maryland being a great team this year. And I, So I could see them giving Maryland a run for their money, and it's at home. So I say their best bet is beating Maryland at home if they win a conference game. I just think with that quarterback, they're not doing themselves any favor with a turnover machine like that. And we saw with Tanner Lee. We saw with Tanner Lee. I mean, yeah, but I, I believe Art Satowski was also pulled towards the later half of the year. Yeah. Was a, here was another stat for you guys on Maryland. I did not know. So out of the last 15 years, 13 of them have had more than one quarterback. They have had an injured quarterback every year outside of two years in the last 15 years. Really? Yes. Thought that was interesting. Tyler, anything else that you found that was interesting as you were going over these teams, doing research? Yeah, I, I guess I, I, I will say, you know, my, my final note um, – is got to be on Maryland, and I know Derek kind of broke him down. Did a great job talking about them. I I will say I think Anthony McFarland ha- has the potential to be the second best running back in the Big Ten this year, and I think they're bringing in Joshua Jackson from Virginia Tech. I I I think they are going to take a step forward this year. Um, I I truly believe that. I, and again, when I say step forward. They won five games last year. I haven't won any six games this year, so it's not a big step forward, but, yeah, but they, I do think Maryland's going to be better. They don't have Texas on their team, and that's usually one of their guaranteed wins. 
<laughs> Isn't that Aww. amazing? They always beat Texas. Yeah. It is amazing. And I think any Nebraska fan out there will agree that anytime Texas gets beat, it's amazing. Maybe that's why I'm high on them. I just I, I will always have a little soft spot on them for beating Texas two years in a row. Hey, Derek, Derek did you want to add any more to the Indiana uh, quarterback Oh, yeah, let's talk, let's talk about this for a few minutes. Let's, we don't have to get like so in depth on it. Like, what, what did you say his touchdown to interception ratio was? Nineteen to thirteen. Uh, yes, that's like, that's like basically Tommy Armstrong territory there. Like, it's, yeah. it's it's not for. I mean, for a top level team like an Alabama or a Clemson or uh, even an Ohio State or Michigan, that's not acceptable. I understand that, but for a mid tier team like an Indiana. That's not that bad, for one. For two, the guy passed for like 66% of his passes, had like 2,600 yards. No, almost 2,900. Oh, I'm sorry, almost 2,900 yards. The guy wasn't a bad quarterback. Mm -hmm. Like I'll tell you right now, if we didn't have Adrian Martinez, I, I would definitely take Adrian Martinez over him. I'm not trying to even start that conversation. But if we did not have Adrian Martinez, like I would pick that guy out of the Big Ten to go, hey, come run our offense. Like, yeah, but he, but he, he also he's had to be a junior. He, he's, he was a sophomore last year. He'll be true. a junior this. So you, year. so you, you hope he'll get better. Plus, he had he had over like five hundred yards rushing in, until the sacks are accounted for, which is still led him to like three hundred forty-five yards. So it's not like he was a statue back there. I mean, mm-hmm. the guy. To me, played very admirably for a team that wasn't very good. Well, he, well, well I, I will say this. I, it, it tells me a lot that I believe that the coaches were about to flip it to Anthony Penix until he got injured. I, I mean, he was he was going to take that spot from him. I, I read into that what you will. I, I don't know who's going to be the starter. Have they announced who's going to be the starter? No. Okay. Phil still has Michael Penix as the starter. I I mean, re-enter what you will. I I'm with you guys. I remember watching him. I mean, Indiana. I mean, the, the they they have been Derek mocks Justin and I because I think the last two years we've been high on Indiana. Yeah, they've um, by a lot. <laughs> yeah. So, but but you look at last year for them. I mean, they had some very close losses. Um. And obviously, a lot of that was with uh, Ramsey playing. But I mean, the fact he was going to get benched, he was done until Phoenix tore his ACL. So I, I think that tells a lot of the story right there. Yeah, he was also the second leading rusher on that team. You know, he ran for three hundred fifty-four yards, which isn't a hell of a lot, but five TDs. He he, he is kind of mobile to uh, to come in second in rushing. He's got the again. You know, I said it earlier on the podcast. He's got his top two receivers coming back. So, you you, you know, they okay. are a, they are a dark horse. So, so Tyler, you talk about you talk about them wanting to pull Peyton Ramsey, and maybe he wasn't quite as good as you know what? Maybe you had to fix a damn defense that actually gave up more points than Nebraska's defense gave up twenty nine and a half points a game. Like maybe you ought to focus on that a little more than taking this good quarterback out for another guy. Like I don't think he was the one costing as much games as their defense was. Like yeah. fix the problem. I, which was which, I, I, and when we get in Nebraska, I mean it's the same thing. Like fix the problem. The problem right now is defense. It's not offense. 
keep keep your offense going and fix the defense. And that's what Nebraska's that's what Nebraska fans are hoping for. And that's what we're all planning on is that defense being fixed, at least to a to a degree. Right. All right, guys. Well, and one last note on this. You know, it is funny because. You know, we, we talked a little bit about Chris Ash maybe being on the hot seat. Is he or is he not? Tom Allen, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but I believe he was defensive coordinator. That's his background. It is. And, it is. And defense has not been good at Indiana. And this guy's in his third year. Uh, I, I he's He hasn't made a bowl game. Again, correct me if I'm wrong, in his time in Indiana. And I don't have him making a bowl game this year. I mean... That's another name. Yeah, but they, they he also signed their highest rated recruiting class ever. Uh, they were like 39th nationally and eighth in the Big Ten last year. So well, he yeah. he's he has them going the right, moving in the right direction. I mean, it, it's freaking Indiana. I mean, yeah, don't, you, don't, you don't have forget to they're a basketball school. Like, I mean, they, they will put up with a bad coach. Remember, the only reason uh, the last coach got fired was because he got into some heat. Like. He got in trouble, so they kind of got rid of him. Which, which, lo and behold, Urban Meyer comes to the rescue and says, "Here, I'll hire you." But hey, whatever. Kevin Wilson there, got there, fired more for he got in trouble than he did because he wasn't winning. Yeah. There's one more thing I uh, I didn't bring up earlier in the podcast when I was talking about Indiana, but uh, they recently hired that Kalen DeBauer, offensive coordinator that was at Fresno State. They're paying him eight hundred thousand dollars a year. What's his name? Uh, uh, Kalen DeBauer. So is he a million dollar Kalen? Ooh, he, Ooh. Well, we'll find out. We'll find out. <laughs> but no, they're, they're investing in that program. Hey, I I'd like to see it's him all... succeed only because I'm tired of being like burned by Indiana. So it's like, <laughs> I told you so. I was early to the party. Well, it would be nice to see a little parody even inside the Big Ten. Like we talk about what what parity means in college football, and we talk about Alabama and Clemson always being on top, and how how boring that gets for fans. Uh, parity is a what makes college football so fun, and it needs to come back a little bit. So yeah, I, I, I would I would have no problem with Indiana succeeding a little bit, and maybe knocking some of these big guys down a little. They come close every year, though. They really <laughs> come close. Hey, what I, I I know Justin's about to try to get us out of here, but one last note: a team we have not really reflected on, uh, Michigan State. Derek's got him second. Oh. Justin and I got him third. You, what do you guys think of that team? Because that's a team right there that I, I'll tell you, I if they win the division, I wouldn't be shocked. I, yeah. I think that's a damn good team. So I, I meant to bring this up during the podcast. I'm sorry. Uh, God, they returned so many people, and they burned me last year because I had them win the division last year because they returned almost everybody. They returned 18 guys last year instead of 17. Uh, but just as so you talked about, they had a lot of injuries. That kind of hurt them. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to read off a few seasons for you guys on, on Mark D'Antonio, since Mark D'Antonio has been at Michigan State. And every time he has a bad year, he bounces back. In 07, he went 7-6. 08, he went 9-4, a lot better. Uh, 09, he went 6-7, and seven, turned around and won 11 games the next year. Uh, 12, in 2012, he won, went 7-6, turned around and went 13-1. Uh, I believe that was the year they went to the playoff. Uh, then he went 3-9 and nine in 2016. The, year, the next year, he turns around and has 10-win season. 
So last year he has another 7-6 season. His history says he's going to turn it around. So I have no reason to believe he's not going to turn that back around. That's what I end up having him going with about 10 wins. Can we still make Katy Perry jokes at this point, hot and cold? I mean, or is that like <laughs> too too old? I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm an old guy. so I don't know if it's too old, but you probably are. I am very fucking old. <laughs> uh, but no, you're, you're exactly right. When, when I was doing this uh, exercise here with uh, – I had Michigan State – I walked away extremely impressed with what they were bringing back, especially on defense. I knew that that they had a solid defense, but offensively, I think that they could be a really good. De- uh, I'm sorry, on offense, I think they could be a really good offense this coming year. So I'm kind of excited. I'd love to see them kind of, uh, you know, stir it up there in the Big Ten East amongst uh, Michigan and Ohio State and walk away with the Big Ten East title. You know, just a couple things to add on to that. Uh, You talk about uh, their offense being better. The offense doesn't have to be a lot better. It needs to be better, yes. But if their defense can come back, and they only averaged 17 points a game last year, giving up 17 points. Like, you don't have to score a lot. Just be a mediocre offense. Uh, My my next question for you guys. So I bring this up about Mark D'Antonio, about his – bounce back seasons so does this make him a really good coach because he has all these bounce back seasons or does this make him a mediocre to shitty coach for having all these bad seasons yeah that's tough kitty perry hot and cold man hot and cold (laughs) i don't know (laughs) yeah i i would agree i mean it i still consider him a good coach i i will tell you if if I don't think I will, but if I was going to throw, you know, I have to look at the odds at Vegas, but if the odds are right on Michigan State winning the Big Ten, and it made sense, I, I could see throwing a little money. I think they, they probably are not getting enough praise, and I, I would, I had them 9-3, but would not shock me if they end up winning what's that the, What's the line on, do you know what the line is on I Michigan don't, State? I don't. One last thing. Okay, I was not talking about Michigan State winning the division, but just for argument's sake here, if Michigan State wins the division, how much does that bump up Nebraska's chances of winning the conference if they make if they win their division? Like facing Michigan State, don't you like your chances against Michigan State still if you're Nebraska better than Michigan or Ohio State? Uh, I would say that would mean that they would be skating through the likes of Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State, along with, uh, shoot, Northwestern, Wisconsin. I mean, uh, I would be I would be afraid because they would damn sure be battle tested. We wouldn't be battle tested to the same effect as they. Well, I they mean, would. we outside of Penn State and Michigan, I guess we placed all the same teams you just mentioned. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, okay. I, I personally, yeah. I would, per, I personally would feel a lot more comfortable with Nebraska's shots of beating Michigan State than I would Ohio State or or Michigan. I guess. Yeah. Well, we'll yeah, see. I mean, I, I mean, I mean, talent alone, you would agree with that. I mean, I, I could make an argument though that Tony is the best, better of the three coaches of those three. So. I, I mean, I, I, I don't think I don't think that good of coaches have three and nine seasons. 
not, not not seven years into their into, into their tenure. That but is. can a good coach have a four and eight season? That's what I want to know. In his first year, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Let's I think it's a little different your first year to your seventh year. <laughs> I think that's a little I, bit of a difference. But I kid, I kid. Jesus, this this that debate would go on for another half hour. <laughs> let's let's get into the last call. Last call to you, Tyler. So my last call goes out to Jakeem Green. Uh, it for the people that don't remember his name. Uh, he was a Juco uh, who committed to the Huskers a little while ago. There was a lot in the air if he was going to come to Nebraska. You know, Texas Tech got in the play after he committed. It is sounding official that he is coming to the Huskers. Um, this kid is was the number two Juco player in the country, and this guy's got three years left of eligibility. So he could play next year. He may not, probably not the good depth ahead of him, but you got him for three more years if he redshirts with the Davis twins leaving and, and, you know, down the road. I mean, that depth at defensive line becomes very key. Huge addition to the Huskers roster. Maybe not so much this year, but down the road. Absolutely. absolutely. I mean, I'm glad the kid's coming here. Uh, I don't think it means anything for Nebraska this year. You're going to have to probably redshirt him. I just don't, I don't see him breaking a spot this year. Uh, maybe, maybe you try and get him in for two or three games if you get a chance. He's already got the size. He's out of South Carolina. Uh, the crazy thing is, is he took a class, a math class that the SEC does not acknowledge. So he was not eligible to be in an SEC school. Is the only reason he's not playing for South Carolina, which is why he went to junior college. Which we is don't crazy deal with numbers around here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's a weird situation. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm super happy Nebraska picked him up. Uh, hey, any any help you can get that maybe helps with pass rush, I'm all for yeah. it. Solid get for sure. Last call to you, Derek. All right. So today is July 31st, which by the time a lot of you listen listeners listen, it will be past that. But today was the MLB trade deadline, and it's always an entertaining time of the year for me. Uh, this year has been even super exciting, and not so much exciting, but it's, it's funny watching how some of these players are acting when you have Trevor Bauer, knowing he's probably on the trade deadline or on the trade block because he hasn't been co-inciting with his team. He hasn't been getting along with them, and... His coach, he's having a bad game. His coach comes to take him out of the game, and he turns around and throws the ball out of the stands. I laughed harder than I've laughed in a long time watching that. And then today or yesterday, Yasiel Puig ends up getting into a fight with a team he's no longer a part of, and he knows he's no longer a part of. And, and he he gets traded for Trevor Bauer. So they traded one prima donna for another. I don't. I don't know what Indi- I don't know what the Cleveland Indians are thinking. I don't know where you think you're getting ahead with picking up Puig because he's been known to be a prima donna since his time in the in major yeah. leagues. Uh, at, at any rate, uh, Zach Grinke went to the Houston Astros. I think that's a huge get, and I think that officially puts them as the favorites to win the World Series. I don't think the Dodgers did anything during the during the trade deadline. Uh, the Yankees did nothing during the trade deadline. I, I think the Astros are now the team to beat. I agree. Hey, that Trevor Bauer thing, you, you're right on that. When he threw that ball, 
and uh, the uh, uh, manager walks over to him. He goes, "What the f is wrong with you?" Oh, now now we're gonna keep it clean when we're quoting. <laughs> well, I'm not. I'm not fired up. <laughs> this this was this was a calculated quote, Derek. This was not fire. Fair enough. All right. Anyway, Tyler, go ahead. Yeah, I, I just want to add, I, I do agree with Derek that Zach Greinke is a big deal. The Dodgers, I mean, it will be interesting to see what they do over the next month and a half. I mean, they they are absolutely dominating that division. They have like a 16-game lead right now in that division. What what are they doing over the next month is going to be interesting. But let's be honest, guys. I, I Derek, I love the analysis. All eyes right now in this room is on the NL Central. It, it's probably going to be tied going in tomorrow in that division. Well, and, uh, and how great is it that Milwaukee's just falling apart? I know. It's just between the Cubbies and the Dirty Birds. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately for the Cubbies, the, the car, well, the Cubs are going to probably win tonight. But unfortunately for them, the Cardinals have been red hot, hot since the All-Star break, have not lost a series since the All-Star break. And it, it, it could be a that, – that's going to be interesting. Unfortunately, well, neither for, of those teams have been Fortunately for good. baseball fans, i tell you what. I don't know how you're not a baseball fan because there are six games between the Cubs and Cardinals in the last three series of the season. I it is going to be fun. I'll tell you, baseball gets that shit right. Baseball gets that right the way the NFL has adopted what baseball does. They finish – now with a divisional game. I, I think that makes so much sense the way the NLB finishes. Um, yeah, it, it's going to come down to the wire in that NL Central. One last tidbit. If the Cubs win tonight, they will be the first road team to win in that series. Fascinating. Completely fascinating for our listeners. Hey, uh, <laughs> last call to me. Uh, I'm going to bring this back to college football. Uh, it was just announced that Alabama and Wisconsin, they signed up for a home-and-home home series. Now, we are really hard on SEC, SEC teams, primarily Alabama, for not scheduling home-and-home home teams. Uh, they got a series going on in 2024 and 2025. The last time that Alabama has gone out on a home-and-home home series is when they played, well, I'm sorry, against a Big Ten team was Penn State in 2011. So uh, in 2024, they'll be traveling to uh, Madison. So that's going to be fun. But as cool as that is, I got to ask you, Derek, me and you were kind of talking about this, but what are, what is the likelihood that uh, Nick Saban will be coaching in that game, Derek? I, I personally say 0 to 10%. Okay. He's 67 years old. It's, that's five years from now. 72, I think he's proven everything he needs to prove. I don't, I don't see him coming back. But I will say this, kudos to Alabama. They're tired of being a laughingstock when it comes to scheduling, and they did schedule a few other big-name schools. They also scheduled Oklahoma a few years after uh, Wisconsin, and they, 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 they did actually finally schedule some home-and-home games. Uh, regardless, it, it's, it's cool. I, I'm tired of seeing these neutral site games. Yeah, uh, but I'm not 100 percent sure that Paul Christ or uh, Barry Alvarez will be at Wisconsin by the time they play either. So, Tyler, Vic Saban will not be at Alabama. That's why this was signed. I I, I have an inside source in the matter. Uh, 
and that proves without a doubt Nick Saban will be done by the time this happens. <laughs> Expose your source or you're a liar. <laughs> his, hey, name I- is J- his name is uh, Jim, and, and uh, he's a good dude. Uh-huh. Um, it, it, no, no. It, you can't Mr. believe anything Beam, that guy says. Mr. Beam is a good dude. He has never <laughs> led me Beam. astray. <laughs> Jim uh, Beam. Jim Beam tells you it all. Hey, I think he'll be there because I don't think uh, Nick Saban is one of those conceited assholes that wants to win every single title, so he'll never, ever retire because he doesn't want anybody else to win a uh, title. So, Unfortunately, he can't beat Dabba Sweeney, and <laughs> losing this year will really probably start breaking his balls. So I looked, it, I looked it up tonight. San Diego State's head coach and Frank Solich are the only two coaches older than Nick Saban right now. So what really? are the odds? What are the odds that Frank Solich wins another conference championship? His last one was in 1999. What are the odds that he wins a conference championship before Nick Saban retires? Ooh, not good. Not good. They're favored <laughs> to win this year. Yeah, they've been favored like six times over the last what, 15 years. Probably six Whatever. over the last seven. But anyway, let's get out of here, boys. All right, great show, guys. This, this was a lot of fun. Can't wait to do the West. Oh, my God, it's it's going to be even brutal, more brutal next week. But uh, we'll do it. Hey, be sure to follow the Husker Cuscast on Twitter, at Husker Cuscast. Like us on Facebook. Our episodes can be found everywhere to include Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. We appreciate any and all feedback. And don't forget to write us a five-star review on whatever platform you listen on. On behalf of Derek and Tyler, we want to thank everybody for listening. We'll see you next week. And as always, go Big Red.